Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. As listeners of our podcast and show know, each and every week I chat with a guest about the Torah portion, that section of the five books of the Hebrew Bible, which is read in the synagogue. There are 54 weekly portions that accommodates for the solar lunar calendar. And during the years when holidays, holy days or holidays, fall on Shabbat and the readings of those holy days and holidays supersede the weekly portion. This week, we are reading the last parasha, the last weekly portion of the book of Genesis. It is known as Vayachi in Hebrew, and let me give you a brief overview of it. The Torah portion tells us that Jacob lives the final 17 years of his life in Egypt. Before his dying, he asks Joseph to take an oath that he will bury him in the Holy Land. He blesses Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, elevating them to the status of his own sons as progenitors of tribes within the people of Israel. The patriarch desires to reveal the end of days to his children, but the Torah portion tells us he is prevented from doing so. Jacob blesses his sons, assigning to each his role as a tribe, a large funeral procession consisting of Jacob's descendants, Pharaoh's ministers, the leading citizens of Egypt, and even the Egyptian cavalry accompanies Jacob on his final journey to the Holy Land, where he is buried in the cave of Machpelah in Hebron. Joseph, too, dies in Egypt at the age of 110. He, too, instructs his descendants that his bones be taken out of Egypt and buried in the Holy Land, but this would only come to pass with the Israelites' exodus from Egypt many, many years later. Before his passing, Joseph conveys to the children of Israel the testament from which they draw their hope and faith in the difficult years to come. Joseph says, God will surely remember you and bring you up out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their wives. With me this morning to discuss this very interesting and challenging Torah portion is Rabbi Joshua Goldstein. Rabbi Goldstein served as Temple Shari Shalom's leader for 30 years retiring on June 30th, 2012. In the subsequent 19 years, he has served as rabbi of a number of congregations in New Jersey. During his active rabbinate, he was um, very involved in local and national organizations, including those as positions on the rabbinic cabinet of the Association of Reformed Zionists of America, on the rabbinic advisory committee of Camp Harlem, and on the board of the Friends of the Israel Defense 
forces. He graduated from Temple University and received rabbinic ordination from Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion. In 2000, in honor of his 25th year in the rabbinate, he was awarded the Honorary Doctorate of Divinity degree. Prior to coming to Shari Shalom, he served congregations in Geneva, New York, and Springfield, Illinois. Rabbi Goldstein is a great lover of Israel and a true scholar of Torah. So, Rabbi Goldstein, welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Hey, Rabbi Garden, it's so wonderful to be with you and to, and to be with your audience also. Um, I think this must be like the sixth or seventh time you've had me on your program, and I'm so honored that you keep asking me back. I have no idea why that is, but... Well, it may be that we get wonderful response from our listeners to your uh, wisdom and to the means by which you uh, approach the Torah portion. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. You know, it's hard for me to say Rabbi Garden when I've known Steve for so many years, and I, I truly tre- cherish our friendship, and it's just great to, to hear your voice again, uh, Rabbi Garden, and to speak with your audience as well. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start by saying ha- happy holidays to everybody. I know that Christmas is coming up for so many of your listeners, and Hanukkah is uh, history now, about a week or two ago. But happy holidays to all of the listeners, and it's great again to be on the program to talk about this very, very interesting Torah portion. Great. Thank you for that. And why don't we proceed to um, making this a bit of a personal uh interaction regarding the Torah portion. So share with our listeners how you personalize this week's reading. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's not hard to do it um, because this portion is filled with examples of the human condition, Um, specifically uh, the human condition when it comes to confronting the reality of death death of family members, in this case, Jacob, and then at the end of the portion, as you said, Rabbi Garden, Joseph, the significance of choosing a burial site, post-death family dynamics, family reconciliation, blessings, forgiveness, it's all here in this portion. It is not hard to write a talk about this portion at all. Thank God we're not talking about leprosy in the middle of Leviticus, but we're talking about things that apply in many ways to, to all of us, I would say. So I'll, I'll start by just reading to you the very first lines of this portion. I'll start in the Hebrew and then switch to the English. So Rabbi Garden began by saying our Torah portion is called Vayechi. Often the portion is given that name. One of the first words of the, of the lines of the portion is given the name for the Torah portion. And Vayechi means, and he lived. And in this case, it means, and Jacob lived, and it goes on to say, for 17 years in Egypt. You'll all remember that Jacob had been living in Eretz Israel, in the land of Israel, and then um, because of plague, Joseph, uh, his sons went to Egypt, 
I'm, I'm saying this very quickly, but the portion really begins with saying that Jacob lived in Egypt for 17 years, and those were apparently very good and 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 and, uh, and productive years for the family. Now, Rabbi Garden also mentioned how we can personalize this, and and in, from my experience or from from my life. You know, I've, I've suffered uh, and experienced losses like we all have. But this past week, a very dear friend of mine, really my best friend growing up in Princeton, Howard Siskowitz is his name, died. And, um, and it, was, it was very difficult for me to, to come to grips with that, I think. Um, but when I looked at this Torah portion, I thought to myself, it's almost as if Howard and I were reading the portion together. And finding the inspiration from this portion to be able to say, I love you to each other, as we did in our last conversation. So, as Rabbi Garden says, this is kind of personal for, for all of us, but maybe a little bit more so because of the loss that I've experienced. So, let's talk about, you know, Jacob in, in Egypt. Jacob's last wish is not that the family be together, although that's part of it all. Not that um, he get the best doctors to, to treat him, but to be buried in Israel. He is reconciled to the reality of his upcoming death, and he wants to be buried in Israel. What that says to me is that among many dynamics of, of uh, when, when one is experiencing the last stages of life, one of the dynamics is to re-embrace heritage to reconnect with tradition and with and that means reconnecting with our ancestors so whether it's i want to be buried in israel or whether it's i want to have uh you know a, a, a this amount of days for a minion for a group gathering for prayer in my memory after i die or many other things jacob connects with that notion of i need to reconnect with my heritage, and in his case, he, he, he wants to be buried in Israel, in our homeland, as a way of maintaining the heritage. So it's also, um, if, I, if I might interrupt for one second, yep. it's Jacob's wish is not only a connection to his heritage, which has an overlay of the covenantal connection, but it's an uh, wish to be buried where he started, where life began for him. And I think many of our listeners can recognize that even if they um, do not have the same intensity of connection to faith and heritage, death makes us think about our life and where it began, Sometimes when individuals are on their uh, deathbed, they want to see relatives that they haven't uh, seen in a long time. Usually that's children, but not exclusively. And very often people who are close to death uh, revert to their original language, to the language of their youth. And so you correctly point out that uh, in Jacob's case, he wants to return to where it all began, where he wrestled with the angels, where he gave birth. 
as the last of the patriarchs to the Israelite people. It's a very, very powerful reminder of how the Torah can uh, speak to us uh, in our modern uh, circumstances. Indeed. And in fact, I love the way the Torah uses the phrase, he or she was gathered to her people or gathered to our ancestors when one dies. As, as a reinforcement, Rabbi Gardner, of what you're saying, that this is, that death in many ways means a reconnection with our, with our people, with our heritage, no matter what our level of observance may, may or may not have been. So I looked at that, and I don't think I'm saying anything original here. I don't think I need to say anything original except let this Torah portion speak for itself. And what it's saying first is when we're at that last stage of life, we would do well to think about our where we came from and who our ancestors were and to feel a part of that. So that's one thing. Um, I love also, of course, that, that Jacob wants to bless his, his children and grandchildren. Um, that, too, is an impulse that when one is in the last stage of life, one one would do well to, to think about that and to and sometimes as as we talked endlessly, people wonder, well, only rabbis or cantors are the ones who are qualified to say blessings. No, that's not true. Um, blessings can be in different forms, and in Jacob's case, he wants to not just bless his children but his grandchildren. And I love and so blessings are a way of expressing you know, our our hopes and dreams and visions for the future of our loved ones. So that, too, is a part of of the uh, of the values, let's say, of being on uh, in the last stage of one's life. And if we can remind our listeners, um, Jacob blesses the children um, that he has fathered. But in this week's Torah portion, he takes into his family the children of Joseph, the sons of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, who in many ways are his um, uh, grandchildren once removed. Um, Though they are Joseph's sons, um, it's not Joseph himself who gets the blessing. Um, and so this is a powerful reminder that families come in many different constellations um, and that he um, asserts the association of uh, Manasseh and Ephraim, who would be a younger generation than the sons that he is blessing. I also want to remind our listeners that in each of Jacob's blessings, which perhaps the rabbi will remind us of, there is a value statement. It's almost as if he is uh, leaving to his children um, values and ethics, which is a longstanding tradition in many communities of an ethical will, rather than simply focusing on the financial and physical 
objects that you can leave to your children, there is the possibility of reminding your children of the values that you, their ancestor, held uh, to be preeminent and meaningful. Um, I'm hoping that I didn't steal some of your wisdom there. You stole all of my wisdom, but that's okay. I love it when you you make so many wonderful points, uh, Rabbi Gordon. You know, what I take away from from what you just said was that Jacob's effort to really personalize his blessings, and I think uh, to some extent Joseph too, um, means that it's not a generic blessing for everybody. He looks in the eyes of his ch- of each child or each grandchild and says words that are specific to that person. So it really is a, a great thing to be able to say, I'm not just lumping everybody together. You're all individuals, and I recognize that in, my, in some of my last words that I want to say while I'm on this earth. Um, what really struck me, Rabbi Garden, every time I read this portion is not only the, the ties to heritage, the blessings, but the, the expression of gratitude. Um, as, you know, as opposed to some people who say, ah, you know, life is hard and it's, and getting old is not easy and, and whatever. Jacob is able to say these words, I never expected to see my children again. Now, of course, Jacob had been in Israel when most of his children were, had gone to Egypt. So he says, I never expected to see my children again. And now I've lived to see my grandchildren. It, it, he, you can just imagine him saying that with such uh, a smile on his face and such awe. So, um, you know, I, I love that expression of gratitude. And I think those three values that are encompassed in Jacob's last wit, last blessings are the ties to heritage, the the ability to say a blessing, and gratitude. That that is that is a um, a, a way station for us to uh, for us to to um, think about as we approach that stage in our lives. Uh, gratitude plays a preeminent role in Jewish tradition. Um, in the uh, daily service and Shabbat service, we have a prayer called the Hoda'ah, in which we express gratitude uh, to the source of blessing and um Often that prayer is uh, recited silently so that one can uh, enumerate that which you are grateful for. And of course, in Jewish tradition, we uh, offer a blessing um, unique to the food that we eat. The The blessing varies depending on the food that we're consuming. So you uh, help us understand um, how the notion of gratitude becomes embedded in Jewish tradition from this Torah portion. Right, right. Yeah, and if we were to personalize it, we would say, and for me, well, guess what? I'm going to be turning 75 in May. Rabbi Gardner, I expect a big birthday present from you, by the way. Uh, You can wait at the post office and hope that the Canadian Postal Service is uh, uh, on time, um, usually six or seven months late. But you keep waiting for it. I will keep waiting for it. But, but I was also going to say, 75, you know, I, I, I am overwhelmed in my 
best moments with gratitude that with all the challenges that life brings, that I've been able to, to have the blessing of, of almost 75 years of life. So that's, that's another way of expressing that gratitude that one often feels or should, or I, I think should feel um, as you approach, you know, the latter stages of life. I, I am really thankful of how you've personalized this text. And I want to, with the time that's remaining to us, perhaps make a uh, small deviation from what we've spoken about. And that is to turn to uh, the death of Joseph, which concludes the uh, book of Genesis and serves as the bridge between this week's Torah portion and next week's Torah portion, the beginning of the second book of the Torah, Exodus. And Joseph says to the Israelites, God will surely remember you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Rabbi Goldstein, I know that you are a strong supporter of um, Zionism, the establishment of a Jewish state. And I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners how you believe that this um, concluding verses of um, Genesis plays a role in the historic um, affection that Israel, uh, that, that Jews and members of the covenant have for return to the promised land. Yeah, this Torah portion is all about transitions. Uh, not only the transition from the death of uh, Jacob and then finally Joseph at the, at the very end of the portion, but also the transition of living a, a powerless life as our people did for 400 years in Egypt. So connecting that to Zionism, connect, connecting the dots to Zionism is not a hard task. Uh, Zionism is all about we take control of our own destiny. Um, and, and we've had the experience of being powerless and we've had the experience of persecution and all that. Um, so uh, Zionism is, is such a fulfillment of, of Jewish vision and, and Jewish blessings that it often overwhelms me. Now, Rabbi Garden and I spent a full year together in Israel back in 1970. So we were there at a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, but I, I just am always overwhelmed almost every day of my life with the thought that um, we have lived to see the fulfillment of a third Jewish commonwealth, meaning a third Jewish state. There were two other uh, home states, uh, sovereign states in the past, um, come into existence now. It, it, whether or not you believe in miracles, uh, you know, it, it, this is to me such a uh, evidence of of something very special. And I'm often at a loss for words, Rabbi Garden, to actually uh, articulate it well, except to say it leads me in many ways to renewed faith, to, to know that, that there is something special about uh, the story of our people and that we have lived to see the time when, when we're back in our homeland. And so I guess the connection with this Torah portion is that we're entering into a period of 400 years of slavery, and Zionism was 
was a successful attempt to not have that experience ever again. In in the year 2021, there are many people who suggest that the notion of a Jewish state is outdated. And you know that there are many people who believe that um, the, the concept of a uh, nation devoted to a particular uh, religious uh, be- set of beliefs and a particular heritage is antithetical to uh, where we are at this point in world history. How would you answer them about the importance of a Jewish state? Well, sometimes people have preconceived notions, and it's hard to break through that force field. But um, I guess the way I would simply say it is to encourage people to look into the history of our people and to see from that history why exactly it was important, more than important, why it was of, of so significant that our people were able to, again, be a, a people that controlled its own destiny. Um, so, uh, you know, it, but I know that people have their political views. Um, me, I've never struggled with that in my congregation. My congregation, all, my congregations have always understood and I think related to what I was saying to them about the significance of Israel and seeing Israel as such a miracle. But I am fully aware that there is ambivalence among a large segment of the population, even among the American Jewish population. And um, I guess the only answer I can come up with is let's discuss together, let's talk together, let's study, and in particular, let's study our history. Um, if we can just get to that point where we open our minds to conversation and study, then I think that the the battle will eventually be won to recognize why a Jewish homeland is so significant. You've um, eloquently stated that history and knowledge of history uh, plays an essential role in understanding the importance of the state of Israel. Uh, I uh, recently was listening to the um, um, musical Hamilton, uh, which is uh, well known in North America and perhaps beyond Hamilton for a variety of reasons. It's captivated uh, Broadway and and attendees at Broadway. And I'm aware how few people actually know the real history behind Hamilton and the Revolution and learn their history from the play, from the musical. The history of the Jewish people is not simply the post-Holocaust history. It is the history since um, the, uh, for the last 2,000 years. And without understanding, as you suggested, the impact of 2,000 years or 1,900 years of powerlessness... Um, often under the hegemony of other religious traditions, it's impossible to understand why Israel uh, is such a vibrant and important force in the life of Jews. Um, And as you alluded to, one can have um, significant disagreements with political decisions 
um, as most people do with their own home government. But no one would suggest that disagreeing with the government of Canada or the United States um, is reason enough to disband uh, those countries whose historical origins um, were built on very different circumstances. My guest this morning has been Rabbi Joshua Goldstein, uh, Rabbi Emeritus of Sha'arei Shalom Congregation in Springfield, New Jersey. I want to thank him for joining me on Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts to discuss Vayachi, the concluding parasha of the book of Genesis. You can listen to the show as a podcast on WCHRI.ca website or on iTunes. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten wishing you a good day and shalom. Shalom. 